Would you love me to dedicate an episode of Transformation just for you and your business? Well, you're in luck. That's exactly what you're going to get this week in nine critical areas from pharmacy accounting and payroll, retail strategy, big data to big robots. There's something in it for you. I know you're going to love it. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 74 your show. That's right. As I said in the intro, this is dedicated to you. I know it's so difficult sometimes to keep up with a weekly schedule, so we're slowing everything down this week to give you the opportunity to take the best insights in nine critical areas of your business. I know you're going to love it. Absolutely big show we've got today, and the nine bite-sized insights you're going to get come from issue two of Transformation Magazine and the experts that delivered them for you. I know you'll love it. More on that a little later. We've got time for a quick check-in with you, and we've also got some listener feedback I'd love to share, as well as also a new episode sponsor for this week that I know you're going to love as well. How's your week been? It's been a busy one for me. I'm getting ready for our masterclass, which is going to go live probably in about three or four hours from the time that you listen to this on a Friday morning. Or perhaps if you're not listening on a Friday morning, you might just have missed it. But stay tuned for next week. I might have a little surprise for you to be able to catch up on that if you've missed it. We've got some great listener feedback I wanted to share. Um, I put out a post on Twitter last week and I've been overwhelmed by answers that I'm going to have to dedicate, I think, a few episodes to getting through some of the responses. And the question I put out on Twitter was, what is your biggest pharmacy and technology problem? Simple question, but there were some fantastic answers. So what I'm going to do to give everyone an opportunity to participate in that, and given the fact that we're slowing everything down this week as well, if you want to head across to the show notes at robertstar.com forward slash episode 74, you can follow that Twitter conversation and post your question and I will answer it in an upcoming episode as well, which will be absolutely brilliant. And you can join some of the great answers. If you head on to Twitter, you can see some of the answers we've already received. They're going to be some great ones and probably even a few transformation episodes that come out from that. So thank you so much for putting those through and I'll acknowledge you you all individually as we move through them in the coming weeks. I'm going to actually jump straight into this week's sponsor because I'm very passionate about it and uh, it's the Pharmacy Freedom Index that's sponsoring this show. Yes, my own product is going to sponsor the show. More than re- the reason for it this week is really to give you the best opportunity to just slow down a little bit and have a look at some of these great opportunities that you have in your business. We so often look, I guess, at our business in response to the environment that we're in. And if we talk to five colleagues and we're all talking about the negative side of the six CPA, then of course, that's all we're going to be thinking about. But I want you to focus on what the great opportunities are that are available. And the Pharmacy Freedom Index will do that for you in under 10 minutes. 
there really hasn't been a better time for you to plan your pharmacy future. And absolutely, we've got some great certainty over our dispensary and professional services for the next five years as well. So if you would like to discover those biggest business opportunities, I would actually recommend if you did this before you listen to the rest of the show, Big call, but I think you'll get a greater benefit from it if you do. It'll only take you seven to 10 minutes. You can do it right on your mobile phone if you're listening to it on there. Of course, if you're with the dog, you're in the gym on the treadmill or you're driving, please do not pull over. It's something you can certainly do later on but it's mobile optimized. You can do it on any device and you'll get an instant summary report, which will give you a percentage ranking in these nine critical areas that we're gonna go through today. And you can find the ones that are most relevant for you. So if you score low in the My Finances section, or perhaps in your people or patient engagement areas, you'll know that these strategies might be something that you wanna prioritize. Because as I say to all of the colleagues I talk to, we can't do everything all at the same time. There is so much opportunity, but we don't want to end up like the three stooges and get stuck in that doorway. We want to embrace the biggest opportunities, get our biggest benefits in our business and continue to grow and prosper as I know we would as well. And of course, if you choose after you finish the Pharmacy Freedom Index that you'd love to dig deep with that with me personally, one-on-one before opening the pharmacy after close, and we can certainly do that via Skype at your convenience, you'll get a 12-month blueprint of how you can go about it. You can choose to do it alone, or if you'd like to accelerate your results, you'll find out whether you qualify for the transformation program, where you'll get the opportunity to work directly with me and my team over the next 12 months, which features a couple of things that I'll mention, full project management, concierge support and done for you system so you can just get on with what you really do well in your business and not have to worry about some of the efficiencies that you're going to pick up in the process. I know you'll love it. And all of that is waiting for you at pharmacyfreedomindex.com. All one word. I'll have a link in the show notes for you as well. Quick update on our masterclass. It will go live here on the 31st of July. So if you're listening to this afterwards, there may be a way that you'll be able to get hold of that. You'll have to check out next week's show to find out. But we've just increased the capacity and we've got the last few seats available. It's been overwhelmingly popular. And remember that if you do register, you'll get access to a full replay if you can't attend as well. I can't guarantee we're going to make that replay available to those who don't register, but Bear in mind, we may be able to do that down the track, but I don't know when we'll be able to do that. So if you register, you'll guarantee access straight away. And also don't miss your opportunity to ask all of the tough questions that you have for Jeff as well. There's no better expert on planning your business exit. He's written the book, The Smart Business Exit, and it's taken critical acclaim not only here, but right around the world. So Get take advantage of this free masterclass and get those questions answered so you can start your smart business exit journey off on the right path as well. So if you missed the URL in previous episodes, I'll give it to you again and it will be in the show notes as well. It's robertstar.com forward slash business exit webinar 
and you'll be able to register straight away, assuming you're listening to this before we kick off at 12 p.m. on the 31st of July. So we're going to get into our interviews this week. And as I mentioned, you've got nine of them, but they're bite-sized. A lot of them are under five minutes, and you're going to get the insights of every single one of them and some of the biggest gold nuggets that we took away from it. If you'd like to read along with Transformation Magazine issue number two, it'll be a great accompaniment for you as well. And you can grab that at transformationmagazine.com.au. Without further ado, here we go. So first up, we've got Amanda Fisher from Connected Accountants in episode 44. And I start by asking her, what are the first steps that any pharmacy owner would need to transition to cloud accounting, both from a technology standpoint, but also from a process point? And I guess, Amanda, if we step back a little bit, because some of our listeners may may not be in a position where they've transitioned. And what we've spoken about is a lot of process change, as well as the technology that can enable these efficiencies. So where would you say that I guess the first steps of any pharmacy owner who may be listening now of where they should start and and what type of processes do they need to get right before they consider it? Okay, I think that the starting point is having is is having that open mind to change. And one of my favorite quotes is from Warren Bennis from the Leadership Institute at the University of California, and it is in life change is inevitable in business change is vital and I I firmly believe that if change is not embraced by every business owner within a number of years you will not only have lost your competitive advantage but you'll be losing money compared to your peers and that it is with so much happening in this technology space that it is imperative that you implement those kind of changes get some time saving, get some efficiency in the systems and processes. So the first step is being having that kind of awareness of there's got to be a better way, there's got to be a different way, there's got to be an easier way. Uh, and then starting to seek some advice, some expert advice from people that have done it before on what it means, how to go about it, how hard is it. The, the, the beauty of the cloud systems and, and they're similar um, but obviously I'm, I'm a zero person, so I'm going to talk principally about zero. But the what we've seen with people moving from MYB or QuickBooks into zero, the benefit is we can actually convert the data that's in the file into zero. So it doesn't matter whether it's at the end of the quarter or end of financial year, I can take an MYB file that's reconciled up to today, it's in the middle of a quarter, and convert that into zero and bring with it all the data from 1st of July. So it doesn't matter the timing of when it's done. Um, we, What's important is to then get it set up correctly, so you need someone to set it up properly for you and to get some training around it. So four years ago when we started using it, we we rather naively felt that we could set it up and tell the tell the uh, you know the bookkeeper or the business owner to just do it uh, give them a few pointers and send them on their merry way we quickly discovered that that actually was a recipe for a disastrous set of books and we have implemented training as part of our conversion process so it is easy to learn, it is quick to learn, it does not take a lot of time, but it is important to have some training as part of that conversion process. Um, 
we found that within a week or two, maybe month at most, uh, everybody that we've converted across is, you know, swimming like a duck in a pond happily uh, with their zero file within two to four weeks um, from transition. That first week is always, you know, oh, but it's this, it doesn't, like, it's a bit different, but it, it really is that quick and easy to, to swap across. Um, and you don't need to be a bookkeeper to do it. It, it. it is written for and is intuitive so that it isn't intended for accountants uh, to understand how it works. I've always felt that MYB and QuickBooks were written for accountants and bookkeepers. We understood how it worked and, and most other people didn't really get it. They might have figured out what button to push, but they never really understood how it worked. Um, with Zero, it's just it's so much more intuitive, and I think the other ones are, you know, not quite as, but similarly, so much more easy to kind of pick up and run with, because so much of it's automated as well. So the amount of work on it is significantly reduced. Next up, we've got Brian Walker, the retail doctor, who gives us our dose of retail strategy. And he starts by telling us about the 24-7 customer and how we can start mapping our customer's journey to create better experiences and also just hits on the chemist warehouse effect and what we can do about it. We, we talk about this, this concept of a customer being able to be in touch with a retail business 24-7. From anywhere in the world, really, if we're talking sort of its broadest level. And so when we look at the classic channels of physical store, online, social media, and all the classic ways that a customer gets in touch with our brands, we see them as being very interconnected. So we no longer really even talk now, Robert, about offline or online or um, so forth. In fact, what we talk about is this idea of a 24-7 brand. But what does that mean? It means that the classic path to purchase, and I'm talking broadly before moving into pharmacies, the classic path to purchase, which says, you know, I see advertisement, I see shop, and, I, and that's how I respond in this linear way, has been absolutely shattered, shattered by these great disruptive forces in retail causing structural change. Technology is the big enabler. 86% of us pre-research um, products that we want to buy using online as a device. Smartphone enablement is up at around 70% and growing. What does this mean? It means that we use technology to understand the retailer and their offer. And they are predominantly huge research tools. The physical store is the jewel in the crown. And we have a business called RDG Insights, which does all our consumer research. We see that 88% of consumers still want to physically touch, uh, have a tactile relationship with the physical store. And that they use the channels around that to research, understand, communicate via social media, interpret, and then still want to be in the, store, in the store. And particularly if we look at an environment like pharmacy, which is high advice, high touch, um, high consultation, 
and a very strong element of you know emotion and so forth needs the physical environment remains the strong jewel in the crown. Now I could keep talking about this, Robert, or I could break to answer more questions. But that's the central broad theme of why pharmacy and why many businesses around the world are changing rapidly. Yeah. So, so to answer your question initially, what is high fitness retail? It's high productivity, high profitability, high customer connection, and high focus on uniqueness of offer. Yeah. And I guess that comes through so through so many different touch points for our customers and our patients, and that uh, they're able to interact in in many different ways. As you touched on, either first interacting on social or web, or it may even be still a a big banner ad on the highway somewhere. And uh, and I guess the challenge for all of that for any business, and you know, a lot of us in pharmacy are running small businesses, but some do have bigger change and groups as well. Is how do you bring all of those customers? Customer touch points together to, I guess, map that customer journey so that you can really be there when the customer wants you in either in any way, shape, or form that they would like you to be. If we if we talk about independent pharmacists, Robert, um, I think a couple of things. We we all know the great structural changes that are going on within pharmacy, and the pressure that independent pharmacists find themselves under. If we took a business, an impressive category killer is one of the trends, like Chemist Warehouse. Their sales are not much short, about the same number overall nationally as my department stores. And I think that that is a really telling sign for the way retail is shaping up. You get this very strong dominant category killer who do a very good job at what they do or have done to date. They represent a structural change. We see the supermarkets with their high focus on volume, um, low margin, turnover, capturing as much of the customer sale as they possibly can, moving in and strongly into supplements, core sort of pharmacy-related retail products, and clearly making an impression. In fact, to give you an example, we did a, a project not too long ago in the supplement and vitamin market. And we saw that in 2013, 30% of basic supplements were bought, in, were bought in supermarkets. About four months ago, it was 50%. So in other words, they're making inroads as well. Mm. So we're seeing this great sort of, you know, we've talked so far about these macro trends. So we come along to my team. And if you're following along all the Pharmacy Freedom Index categories, the first two were my money and also my pharmacy as well. And we've got Michael Hazilius from Easy Employer, who's got a fantastic case study for you in payroll and rostering automation and how you can be saving up to 30 hours a week. Yeah, okay. So probably one that comes to mind um, would be um, would be yeah one of the pharmacy groups we did. It was a couple of years ago now. We've, we've probably done some bigger ones since, but they had about eight locations and, and there was uh, about 120 staff. And they had someone at head office who basically her job was to almost – she almost had a business development role, but her job was basically 40 hours a week just managing staff. She really had little time to be doing anything else. And, and um, it, this was an interesting one because they were doing – their rostering and their time sheeting 
centrally from head office across the eight locations, which we don't often see. Usually the site managers do that. But basically she was spending, you know, 40 hours a week managing staff. She was, I think it was six or seven hours on a Sunday evening, would you believe, doing rosters, you know, for the for the week ahead. So what we what we managed to get in there for her, I think so we implemented the full solution with our payroll solution. And I think she ended up saying, like she ended up spending about an hour on a Sunday instead of six hours on a Sunday doing rosters. I think she got a time down to about five or six hours a week, mate, from 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we define that as it was about 80, 85% time saving. Um, they only really got a, because um, one of the key benefits is annual labor cost saving as well. You know, efficiently scheduling and capturing time and, and variance reporting allows them to save on the annual cost. Like we've, we've achieved up to 10% of annual payroll with some of our clients, you know. Um, this particular pharmacy, they were actually quite efficient with the way they were staffing, so they, but they still even got a two or 3% uh, saving. Um, and one of the most interesting points about this, this client though, was that they'd spend um, four or $5,000 on a consultant to try and um, define the pharmacy award and try and articulate it in the way they could apply it. And when we did our analysis, they were overpaying staff. Mm-hmm. Oh, overpaying staff, they paid four or five K. So we not only did we fix that or recognize and fix it, we implemented a solution that completely automated that process. So it was compliant and automated. And they actually did have a, a fair work audit, I think, last year, and they passed it 100%. So that was great feedback for us as well. Yeah, and I think that's a great segue as well because I think a lot of pharmacy owners looked at that and, uh, you know, I think some may have even have purchased the, uh, I guess, the plain English guide to the pharmacy industry award because it was just so hard to actually uh, comprehend what it means. And also, you know, when the fair work audits were threatened to go out there as well, people were scrambling to think, well, do I have seven years of rosters stored somewhere? So uh, I guess how, how do you solve that problem? And I guess what confidence can a pharmacy owner have? Uh, have uh, embracing your solution yeah look i mean we've we've been in pharmacy for i think seven or eight years now mate so we, we've evolved the product a lot in that space and one of the the key the key benefits uh, i guess of easy employee it does have a very very powerful award interpreter and that's just because we've evolved it over time so we can really get into the nitty-gritty with a lot of the um a lot of the aspects to an award that i think a lot of other providers sort of overlook and one example that comes to mind there is um very specific one but around part-timers and how if you you know you rostered them on for for regular shifts every week but if you do need to call them in you know within 24 hours then you are supposed to pay them an overtime rate um if you know within 24 hours of the shift so you know we have an ability there that the manager can actually just tick a box on the timesheet and straight away that shift will now throw flow through the system and 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 trigger overtime so there's uh there's a lot of little workflows like that um that can catch catch people out and look they are all optional we understand not everyone does want to follow the award exactly it is very complicated so there are options around that but at, at, at the end of the day we implement what they want to do what they want to um uh, how they want to use it we give them advice and it's compliant from that point of view um another aspect to mention as well it, it is compliant with the qcpp requirements around staffing as well so the need the the needs um for having the names and the break times and all that stuff on the roster and the timesheets and all the rest of it so um i'm pretty sure we've got just about everything covered um that, that you can cover because a lot of parts of an award you can't actually automate. They are very, very difficult. Um, but we, we do achieve a level of um, automation and compliance that I believe is higher than other providers in the workplace, in the market. 
So my patience with Wim Batard from Farm Engage. And he shows us how to use technology to create better patient-pharmacist relationships through listening better and, as I just mentioned to him, avoiding the need for those constantly retold stories that our customers need to tell us because we have a variable level of understanding of them coming from different people in our pharmacies. Good point. And I think the the, the technology, you know, I think we um, we use words. And one of the biggest things is to try and understand what those words mean. Um, you know, one that, that comes up all the time is CRM. Uh, and I think as we've spoken before, Robert, the, 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 the whole concept of uh, customer relationship management is not so much the technology, but as you point out, it's about the relationship and the management of it. And in, in days gone by, indeed, that was all done in our computers and our heads. These days, it's so complex and so much going on that we can use the technology to start actually even, you know, maybe starting to, to come close to what a what a brain can do. Um, so so we think technology now then, you know, enables, um, you know, to you create an, an, an ecosystem in your pharmacy where um, where you can bring together different platforms and and then start to feed all of that information into that customer relationship management system. Um, so we, we're talking about, uh, you know, kind of the, the whole medication management component. You're talking about loyalty. You're talking about, uh, you know, wellness uh, and, and, and people's shopping experience. Uh, and that, again, also is, is then has to extend outside of the pharmacy because people today also want to utilize technology well beyond simply just standing in front of the pharmacy with their, with their piece of paper. Uh, eventually, of course, prescription to be electronic uh, and and then actually while I'm sitting on the bus I should be able to order and pay for my prescription um, you know via the e-commerce and uh, and, and and apps and uh, and 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 technology that allows that that order to come back to the pharmacy to be filled to have it delivered to my office or to my home and make that convenience work and and I think all of those things uh, with with a key focus always on health and wellness means that the the customer's experience with pharmacy just changes so the CRM then is that management of that relationship goes way 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 beyond a uh, just a store experience and it goes way beyond simply a database collecting data it's it's got to use smart uh, smart technology today to uh, to enable and, and if I may use your um, your, uh, your the title of your business, Robert, <laughs> but the other uh, the transformation because that's what it's going to be doing. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And, and it's about the changing paradigm of that relationship as well. For so long, you know, we have been, you know, the medicine experts and we remain those, but ultimately there's a whole lot of information that our patients now access without our, I guess, authority or permission uh, through Google. And uh, they try to understand, I guess, different parts of their healthcare. And there's a big movement happening where they are choosing the, the healthcare experience that they want. You know, they're wearing technology now that tells them about their sleep, their movement, their diet, and they're really trying to make a whole lot of sense out of it themselves. So it really does shift that relationship from being one where patients would come to a physical location at a particular time, see a particular pharmacist, you know, let's call him John for sake of argument, and he would know everything about that patient and would always be, you know, referred to back and forth in terms of how the family's going, but also how that individual's managing their health and their medicines. And uh, John would never work all the time. John may not be there on the weekend and 
ultimately, I think we fell down a lot when, you know, our patients would come in, want to speak to John, John's not there. And, um, you know, they had to unfortunately retell their story. And that may have existed not only in the pharmacy, but in other healthcare environments. So, you know, it's right, we need to make a whole lot of sense out of it. Um, but, you know, I guess it's not just about, you know, keeping notes on our dispense system. It's really about, you know, something a little bit more formidable that, um, you know, can give us those insights. Indeed, indeed, and I and I think a word that comes to mind uh, as you as you have that conversation with me, Robert, is about engagement, and and you know I think the. Uh, the, the, the customer today has to stay engaged with your pharmacy, and and the, and is, is, if, if John indeed is not in the in, in the in the pharmacy, there still must be an, an an amount of information and an amount of process that can continue on in his absence. Uh, and and be run by those other people that are that are also in that pharmacy who, who understand the customer. So the engagement then is that is, is the key. And and there's some really interesting statistics where where a um, uh, surveys have done with with massive numbers of people showing that that a fully engaged customer is worth a 25% premium to your business. Um, and, and and indeed, you know, we've we've shown that that um, you know that that varies depending on industry. And and I'd I'd like to ask the question, you know, to what extent do we have fully engaged customers in our pharmacies? And and you know, I think the the technology that we've got, you know, and 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 the the possibilities to make that happen um, are sitting there waiting to be done. Um, at Farm Engage, that's what our goal is to try and you. Know, Know, get this technology integrated uh, solutions to be able to help the engagement process bring you know, bring that that extra value into pharmacy and and indeed the the customer's experience it will speak for itself they will walk with it they will uh, vote with their feet and come into the store and, and buy online and do all the things they want to do because you're engaging with them Innovation with Kathy Reid from Epic Pharmacy and she shares with us one of the leading areas of digital health right now in adaptive medicine which was highly popular at Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas earlier this year and she talks about life beyond the standardised tablet. Another term that was used at CES was adaptive medicine which is where where basically treatment regimes are adapted very quickly and dosages adjusted in response to to real time data. So to me, the analogy that that drew was a bit like you know a lot of pharmacists got very involved in in warfarin programs where you'd have the patients that have their INR and then their dose would be adjusted depend not always with needing you. Know, in every, not every case, the doctor actually needed to be involved. And again, this was something where, where nurses claim great ownership of this space, where the dose was dependent on the INR results and adjusted as a consequence of those. And I think we're actually going to see that, that style of program extend where you'll see dosages prescribed within a range that is then adjusted based on the data of whatever the whatever the metrics are that are being captured and monitored and i think again pharmacists have got a great opportunity to set themselves up as the person who's got that ability to interface with the patient and give them the advice on you know it might be that your heart rate's going that is sitting now in this range so you need to scale back the dose of this for the period of time your blood pressure or anything else so again adaptive medicine is something i think that's really 
a, a great space for pharmacy to be looking at. And it's the, these changes are going to happen quite quickly. We are going to see them occur within, I think, within the next five and certainly ten years. They're going to be a common part, a really common place in in day to day treatment of everyday conditions. Yeah, and it just underlines patient-centric healthcare and personalisation. You know, we've seen only probably recently in the last three to four years pharmacogenomics being a big movement, and certainly there are a number of pharmacies that have uptaken that testing regimen into their professional services suite, and now that means that we can sort of work out which medicines aren't going to work based on the genetic structure and perhaps whether they're a P450, cytochrome P450 poor metabolizer or a rapid inducer or anything like that. And I guess there's a real challenge coming up there in terms of our original pack medications in that they come in specific strengths. But it could well be that if we're practicing adaptive medicine, we're going to need specific dosages as opposed to the 20, 40, 80 milligram tablets that we traditionally have. That was exactly what a number of the big pharma representatives who attended the Digital Health Summit were talking about. And one of the, discuss- one of the session topics was actually... Um, titled something I can't remember the exact name of it but it was it was something around um, life beyond life beyond the pill and it was very much around the fact that exactly as you said those so the current solid dose orals don't allow that kind of flexibility and are we actually going to see now with the with the technologies around wearable patches and infusion infusion through the skin or implants and those kind of things are we going to see medicine move to different delivery systems from the traditional solid oral and again i think We'll certainly see some shift towards that. I, I don't think the solid oral is going to be replaced any time in the near future, but I think we can certainly expect to see some um, a, a world beyond the solid, solid oral expanding quite fast. Yeah, and, and, and probably also in, in compounding as well. We've always been, you know, perhaps been making up discontinued medicines or different release rate dosage forms, but it could very well be that compounding needs to merge with technology as well and that pharmacies are the ones producing those wearable patches infused with the medicines. So that could exactly. be an interesting one. Yep, yep, completely agree. My partners with Heath Tully from Sigma representing brands like Amcal and Guardian. But the question I asked for him was particularly for you if you're an independent pharmacy owner. What can you do to establish a multi-channel offering like the brands are doing for your patients and integrating it into your bricks and mortar operations without mass disruption? For an independent pharmacy owner, we do have quite a number listen to this show as well. I guess as we've covered off earlier, you know, taking the jump into e-commerce is is a big one. Um, And, you know, there may be other, you know, third party advisors and and providers that can help help them do that as well. But I I guess, you know, moving forward into that sustainable 21st century model, um, where do you think their first movements are now i know we spoke about you know mobile and the proliferation of that and uh you know at least you know as we did a few weeks ago talk about contact details and getting you know directions very findable for patients as well but i guess where do you see their first step in making this transition assuming that they're looking to create that sustainable model moving forward so first step in terms of getting online or first step in terms of um, well, I guess really they may already have a website that has basic information, but they're now looking at trying to, I guess, best represent themselves online so that they can get into that multi-channel experience. Yeah, sure. 
So I think, well, a good example would be uh, that health services booking uh, agent. So maybe maybe e-commerce is e-commerce is maybe step three, but uh, the next step, if you wanted to take the website from being just an informational site to uh, a site that connects online and in-store and provides additional value to the visitor, would be um, to start providing uh, the ability to book health services online, which is a simpler thing to do um, than setting up a, a full e-commerce suite. And and also, I guess there's, there's no reason you couldn't um, set up a website to, I guess, allow you to reserve product, potentially, um, as opposed to buy it online, um, almost like a almost like a lay-by type situation. But yeah. um, it... I, I would say the health booking side of things is probably a good way to uh, to take the next step. Um, pro- probably the the other thing I'd mention is it's all good to have a website, but you've got to get people to come to the website. So making it clear in store that you've got a website and what the address is, um, you know, maybe maybe looking at investing a little bit of money in some uh, Google advertising to uh, drive people to the site when they search for, for example, Baronia pharmacy uh, which is where i live um so i think it's it's all good to have a website but um it's the whole situation of you can you can you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink necessarily you've got to you've got to uh you've got to tell people you've got a website as well oh look absolutely and, and a website being that digital environment much like your store environment needs to be treated as such you know we spoke a few weeks ago about the fact that you'd never leave your gondola ends the same way for six months or a year you wouldn't leave the same posters in your window for a year or more um, or the same content on there um, you would always change it you know, whether that be seasonally or for different health purposes so a website or a digital environment needs to be treated the same way in that you need to commit the time and the process and I think that's something you touched on earlier Heath was the fact that pharmacies do need to realise you need to invest some time in that whether you go down the e-commerce pathway or not uh, the digital environment is you know, mandatory for 21st century pharmacies and you need to be thinking about how you're going to manage the uh, processes ongoing in the business. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's some, there's some really good tools and free tools as well. Eh? Google Analytics is one one example that gives you a good insight into, for example, how many people are visiting your site each week, how often people keep coming back. So if you if you're seeing that people, the majority of, of your visitors are coming each each week to the site, then really um, you should be updating the site at least on a weekly basis so that the content remains fresh every time they visit. So. Um, there's some, some great free tools out there that uh, allow you to get a good insight. And, that, and that's the beauty of online is that uh, everything's measurable and everything's trackable. So um, it allows you to, to see what's working and what's not working and make changes appropriately. Absolutely. No, fantastic. Um, and, and Heath, um, as I always like asking uh, my guests, uh, what do you see, I guess, on the horizon the biggest game-changing technology that could be coming? And if we throw away time and resources as no barrier, uh, what would you love to see us uh, roll out into pharmacies and probably even businesses today? Yeah, well, there's... um, So there was a couple of examples of this in Japan. So obviously Japan is a place where technology uh, tends to to be born from. And, And one thing that I'm really excited about, it's probably not in the near future, but maybe in the long term, is uh, virtual shopping walls. So suddenly, uh, so this is where you might walk up to a wall 
and it's almost like a big screen that you can um, shop from, almost like a uh, like an ATM, but for all the products in the range. Um, which then means that the pharmacy doesn't necessarily need to be open to for, but uh, people can still buy products at any time of day. And um, I don't know, it, it's been utilised a couple of in a couple of different places, and even in Japan uh, at uh, bus stations and train stations where people can waiting for their train can um, do their shopping and it's just a completely wacky technology but you know potentially in 10 years we might be uh, we might be all buying stuff off the wall who knows IT Systems with Mike DeGama from Nostra Data. And we were talking about all things around big data, which can be big in terms of its confusion as well. So what we did, we slowed it down and talked about, and I start by asking Mike, what are the first steps that you need to know about choosing, analyzing, and deriving insights from your data? But Mike, I also wanted to, for a lot of our listeners who have seen, I guess, a lot of the bigger picture stuff that we've spoken about and the big opportunities available, We'll be sitting there thinking, you know, okay, so it's all I can see the opportunities, I can see the how how this can benefit my pharmacy. But where would you see, I guess, an individual pharmacy's starting point? Um, and bearing in mind they may already have been offered uh, dashboards of the kind from different generic suppliers, but I guess where would you see them starting their journey of looking at their data and really assessing, you know, I guess some primary use cases for how they could, I guess, understand it a bit better to make better decisions. Well, I think a balanced scorecard approach is a good one uh, where you're trying to measure up the ratio of your back of shop versus front of shop and assessing first of all where you want to go. Forget the data for a moment and actually figure out what you want your pharmacy to be. Do you want it to be a service provider? Do you want it to be a, a have the highest range of vitamins? What do you actually want your store to be known for? Once you've determined that, that's where you can focus your information gathering too. So, for example, you know, we have a, a retail portal, a retail dashboard, which is a bit broader than the, the generic one that you've spoken about. It keeps the information at a very high level, but it's designed to actually bring all of that information into one spot so that you can easily assess where the greatest opportunities for your business might be and uses benchmarking as well to assess how you're performing against your peers. Now, you don't know who your peers are uh, for obvious reasons, but the whole idea is to know, well, how am I going in my store and is anyone doing something differently? And if so, where can I get information around that? So to give you a real-life example, you know, we've got uh, pharmacies at the moment that are using our information to determine whether they've got the right range and whether they've right-sized that range by looking at their inventory making sure that they're managing their infantry properly through their point of sale and then linking that back to their loyalty information to determine whether or not that their patients and their, uh, their consumers are actually using the whole balance of product that's available by using, comparing that again to other stores, de-identified stores and saying, well, hang on, we're missing a whole range of product here that you know, customers in other areas are, are buying in their basket. So there's things like basket analysis, there's things like uh, you know, your, your inventory turnover that you can pay more attention to and can give you actually fairly quick results uh, because it helps your staff focus on what's important to the customer rather than I need to upsell them on something they don't need. If I take care of this customer, I can already see their basket growing. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you should be able to measure basic metrics like that in your business on a daily basis and figure out whether or not they're delivering results for you. And if you're not getting quick results, then you need to change something. Mobility with Josh Swinerton from MedAdvisor. And he tells me that roughly about 20% of pharmacies are utilizing the platform. And it's one of the platforms that can transform your prescription workflow in that you can arrive first thing in the morning and have a batch of prescriptions that you can readily start preparing without a customer in front of you. How good is that? And he talks about today and I ask him how he can maximize our success with MedAdvisor through notifications, insights, alerts, and personalization that we perhaps haven't haven't otherwise realized. I would like to know, um, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners would, is that what insights can MedAdvisor give the pharmacy um, that, you know, perhaps, you know, through our, I guess, more day-to-day dispense point of sale applications that we use in the pharmacy, we don't get these insights generally handed to us. Does MedAdvisor give the pharmacy some insights as to, you know, frequency cycles of patients coming in? Can we be red flagged to follow up with a patient who may have um, lapsed on their repeat cycle? Obviously, pharmacist Phil's getting pretty angry, but I imagine and, and angry and worried, but you know, every pharmacy pharmacist who looks after these patients would be equally worried. Um, are there those red flags that get flown up um, in the pharmacies? Well, there's certainly quite a bit we do in terms of um, the re- reporting analytics side of MedAdvisor, um, a lot of that is more at a over a group of patients kind of level. So, particularly what we're interested in is showing um, showing pharmacists the improved adherence they're getting from patients who are using MedAdvisor. Um, so, so we you know we have reports that can illustrate you know that information about right your patients on MedAdvisor are 12 percent more reliable at filling their scripts you know in terms of measures of you know if we're talking about a a typical once a month long-term medication that we can say right you know your uh, MedAdvisor patients fill one one and a half scripts more per year than your non-MedAdvisor patients therefore it's you know beneficial to get as many patients active on MedAdvisor as possible kind of thing. Um, then that said, you can open up MedAdvisor and look at individual patients and you can see the sort of information you're talking about. Um, it, it's just a matter of where that sits in in the workflow for the pharmacist. You know, do they want to... Um, I mean, essentially, most of what you're talking about, we are trying to automate for the pharmacist. So essentially chasing a patient mm. who appears to be dropping off in terms of their adherence is very much a key part of what pharmacist Phil is trying to do automatically mm. so that the, the pharmacist doesn't have to come in and write manual messages, you know, hey, Rob, why haven't you been in to fill this? Um, is just sort of not necessary as yeah. much chasing as possible look absolutely yeah. but you know as 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 we all know in our, in our pharmacies we do have those personal relationships and whilst it's nice to automate as much as possible sometimes you just know that some patients would you know prefer um to hear from their patients so it could be yeah. you know the pharmacist in the in the pharmacy and pharmacists feel working together in that obviously feels an automated reminder but if that reminder is being ignored um you know i would inherent inherently be expecting that um, you know we, we would be following that patient up if pharmacist Phil hasn't been successful, um, and that I think would be the patient expectation too. 
Yeah, certainly. So, so that um, everything you're talking about is, you know, the system's very much capable of. If you pull up an individual patient, you immediately see a sort of a clear colour code of, all right, Josh's five medications. Um, two of those are red. He's either low or run out of, hmm. um, and he hasn't said I'm not taking the medicine anymore. So that's a pretty strong argument to say, well, he should have come in and filled filled that script. Um, and you can, yes, you can see our. Oh, Josh would have already got two messages and he hasn't done anything. And very much through through MedAdvisor, you can just um, manually trigger a, a one-to-one message uh, and communicate back and forth in a you know, message format um, to, to chase the patient. Uh, that's all um, part of the system as well. We just try mm. and, yeah, we try and automate the bits where it's obvious, but where the, where the pharmacist has time to further follow up and glance at, yes, you know, this patient's in a... For example, yeah, a red state on um, half their medications. Um, that might be where the, the pharmacist has time to further reach out and chase them. And yes, that you know they can always see. Oh, that's you know my pharmacist is actually writing me a personal message. That's always going to have more weight with the patient, certainly. Automation with Robert Allen from Dose Innovations. And this was Robert's second time around, so he wanted to take it up a gear. And particularly taking away some of the key learnings from pharmacy owners that were even implementing their second robot. And he shares with us how we can maximise our success with dispensary automation, creating a better patient-pharmacy relationship. What we found is that um, obviously this is a, a machine. Sometimes you buy something and you don't necessarily use it, but it's, it's impossible not to use it because it's it's automating you know ninety seven percent of of your dispensary stock and uh, and that's bread and butter stuff for pharmacists. So where we found people that had the most success is in the pre-planning. Um, there is a lead time for the machine, and I guess it's about um, getting engaging with your staff, which I talked about previously, but probably doing that in a more formal manner, whereby um, as the owner of the business or the manager, um, you know, working with the owner, is what is it you're going to try and achieve? So uh, are you aiming for, you know, to attract new customers? Uh, are you aiming to improve your wage percentage? Are you looking for new professional services? Do you want to implement your current professional services well would you like to grow your daa business and um it's about planning so everyone says the word planning but you know have you identified the training requirements um have you talked about targets that are achievable and stretch um have you are you putting in an incentive program and how are you going to measure that and how often are you going to check and, and and revisit it and we've seen some pharmacies that you know have had some incredible results whereby they've pre-planned what it is they're going to achieve and you know a classic example is DAA so we had one pharmacy that wanted to grow their DAA business and they've increased it from 120 to over 400 and you know it's really good that they're the sort of good news stories we've got other customers that you know they want more customers uh, and so what they did was they freed up um, one of their pharmacists to visit you know, local um, bowling clubs and RSLs to be able to um, increase their sales to to the older community, and um, you know it's been very both rewarding and successful. Um, but it's generally the, the the best part I'm seeing in a, in the implementation of automation is the changing of um, the workflow in the pharmacy, but. You know, not just the workflow, the accessibility of the pharmacist. 
So again, we're the only free health professional that you don't need to book an appointment for. And yet uh, I see so many times pharmacists hiding behind a dispensary counter with a front shop counter in, in front of it. And what I'm noticing is a lot of our customers are, are implementing automation as part of a refit and it's just really exciting to see that that barrier, the front shop um, uh, counter, is starting to disappear. And so we've got pharmacists uh, in talking and engaging with every single prescription medicine customer when they come into the pharmacy. And that's probably the, the most exciting uh, thing that I'm seeing in, 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 with our customers at the moment. Yeah, and I, th- I think it'd be great to explore one day where that two and a half foot step actually originated because when you look back historically at the uh, community pharmacies of yesteryear prior to brands and manufacturers and distribution channels and PBS and everything, they never it never seemed to exist. Um, so it'd be interesting to actually work out where it came from. But no doubt we're starting to see that, you know, in just in retail in general, let alone in pharmacy, um, you know, the, the aim of most retail retailers is to improve that customer experience and by doing that improve accessibility and I probably am too guilty of talking about Apple too much on this show but I just love it in that uh, you know there's no barriers Um, you know everyone stands on an equal footing you know you can reach across the counter if you want to because there isn't one Um, and uh, you know realistically if we're going to be problem solvers as pharmacists which is really our our key strength uh, you can't be doing that from some privileged point of vantage point of elevation you need to be uh you know standing and preferably even giving the opportunity to sit which uh, i know a lot of our customers enjoy yeah i i i I really see that i i think um pharmacies operating like apple uh, it's probably going to take a little bit longer but it's just exciting to see um you know the change And, and those pharmacies that make those changes are really seeing the benefit you know with customer loyalty And, you know, just great feedback from their customers in regards to the fact, well, I go to that pharmacy because I get to speak to the pharmacist every time. Well, there we go. We've done it. It's under 60 minutes and you've got nine insights in nine critical areas of your business. I hope you found something relevant for you and I hope you've been able to maximize your success by taking the Pharmacy Freedom Index test as well, which if you missed the link earlier is pharmacyfreedomindex.com as well. No three key learnings this week because there were so many that we couldn't have packed them all into this episode. And of course, because they were snippets of existing episodes, there are links at the show notes at robertstar.com forward slash episode 74, and you're able to access all of the key learnings from each individual episode as well. Next week, we've got a big interview with Hilary Kahn. Now, if you haven't heard of Hilary and you're in Australian pharmacy, I'm going to question where you've been because she has had a long and fantastic history in pharmacy retail for the last 30 years. And she's going to be sharing with us how we can customize our merchandise to match our communities. It's all well and good now we talk about the technology that helps us identify the data that tells us what merchandise our community wants and what they're buying and therefore 
therefore we can customize and remove lines that perhaps aren't relevant for our community, but at the same time, we have to create that experience as well so that it just works seamlessly with everything we do from a customer experience point of view. Makes the conversations easy and it makes it easy to select products as well in a nice, uncluttered, clean environment. I know you're going to love it. If you've loved this week's episode, I'd love to know what you took away from it. I guess it could be very variable as to what you love because it will depend on where the biggest opportunities are in your business as well. But as always, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every single one or hit me up on Twitter at Robert Starr as well. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now.